0: Welcome to Kolisha, the podcast that gives orthodox women a voice. Welcome back to Kolisha. This week I am super excited to be joined by a really fascinating guest. Her name is Rhonda Malkin and she's joining me tonight from New York City. Rhonda grew up in Southern California and she is a professional dancer. Her dance career took her to the highest levels of the industry. And today she is a professional dance coach. She mentors women from all around the world who are looking for a professional dance career, whether on Broadway or the Rockettes or dancing for sports teams. And she also owns Fusion Exercise, which is a really cool business that helps uh, people um, exercise to maintain their health. And she also along the way became from and is now part of the religious community. So I am so excited to hear more about her story. Welcome to Kalisha Ronda. Uh, thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. Oh, it's my pleasure. So I'd love to hear more about your background and how you grew up. Obviously your dance career um, defines a lot of who you are, but um, Take us back to, you know, how you got into it and a little bit about your background growing up in California.
1: Absolutely. I started dancing at a studio, local studio called Irvine Dance Academy uh, when I was four years old. And I just started with one class a week, just ballet. And then uh, when I was six years old, I was old enough to finally take tap. So I was taking ballet and tap. And then when I turned eight years old, I was finally old enough to take jazz, which I was so excited about. And so at that point I hated ballet, so I quit and was just taking tap and jazz. By the time I was 10, uh, my instructors really saw potential in me um, on both the tap and the jazz side of dancing. And they asked me to audition for their performing and competing company. So I made it after an audition into the competition groups at the studio and I competed with my studio oh gosh from fifth grade on through my senior year of high school and when I uh I was in public school the whole time I I grew up a reformed Jew I was in public school my entire life and then I went to dancing school after after uh my, you know, public school classes were over. So I feel like I had a dual education (laughs) on my own. Um, And uh, long story, when I was, I'd say, a junior in high school, I started auditioning for um, agents, for dance agents in Hollywood, California. And it took me about a year and a half to book an agent. And once I did that, I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, here's the beginning of my career. But yet at the same time, I wasn't really sure if this is something that I was actually good enough to do. So, luckily, um, I got into UCLA and I moved myself from Orange County up to Los Angeles so that I could be closer to more dance auditions and more work. So, I was dancing a little bit in school, took some ballet, took some flamenco classes, and slowly started auditioning when I had time in my schedule. And uh, lo and behold, I Audition for the UCLA dance team, which was the cheerleading squad, the, the dancers that with the pom poms. So I danced at all the football games and all the basketball games. But that same year, I just decided, you know, I think I'm going to just go audition for the Laker girls because, you know, why not? It's just there. And I auditioned straight out of high school and I didn't make it. So, you know, whatever, I'm on the UCLA team, it doesn't matter. So I went and auditioned and I made it.
0: Ah. So
1: I was on two Dance teams, very prestigious dance teams when I was 19 years old. And um, that sort of, I would say, like kickstarted my career in a way um, because I was able to augment my abilities, you know, from the collegiate to the professional and just, you know, was focused only on school and dance. That was all that I did. And along the way within my career, um, I worked with a lot of professionals. So even after I became a Laka girl, I did lots of uh, really cool live shows. For Disney and uh, commercials, movies, award shows, MTV, video music awards, uh, movie awards, worked with a ton of celebrities in Los Angeles Um, and then after I graduated UCLA I said you know I I think I'd like to audition for the Rockettes because they were auditioning um, in Los Angeles at that time and I actually had just danced on the Academy Awards with the late Robin Williams um, of course, not religious at all. Uh, and a lot of the girls who were on that job said, you would be a great raquette. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess I should try. So I went to the audition in Los Angeles and I was completely blown away at how difficult it was. And I did not make the company. And I said to myself, I'm going to train all year uh, for this next audition for the raquettes coming up the next year. Because I knew the audition every year. So meanwhile, I was dancing at Disney. At the California Adventure Park, uh, five shows a day, four wow. days a week. Uh huh. Yes, that it was exhausting. It, oh yes. <laughs> wow. Um, and then in addition to that, doing other dance jobs, and uh, while I was there uh, at Disney, um, in between, I auditioned for Madonna. And I made it to the very end of her audition for her Drown World Tour, danced in front of her in Los Angeles. That was quite an exhilarating experience (laughs) and uh, did not get the job. But that was okay because I was happy with, you know, as far as I had gotten in the process. But then the next month I auditioned for the Rockets for the second time. And that time I made it all the way through the auditions, through the callback. And then two months later, I booked the job. So um, Back up just a little bit, um, after I graduated also UCLA, besides wanting to pursue other things outside of Los Angeles, um, I was part of a group at UCLA called JAM, the Jewish Awareness Movement, which was at the time um, headed by Ben Sion Klatsko, Rabbi Klatsko, who uh, has started Shabbat.com, and Racha Zeret and her organization, the Asherah New Learning Company. And so that company brought me both to New York and to Israel to learn uh, about Yiddishkeit. And uh, it was one of those key group groups that takes all sorts of, you know, secular and reform Jewish students uh, from the colleges and helps introduce them to from Kite and Yiddishkeit And just helps them to reconnect uh, with what it means to be a religious Jew. So my first experience uh, going to New York was quite eye-opening. It was the first time I'd ever been with any from Jews, uh, really, in my life. Um, I have some cousins who are from, but like I didn't really hang out with them very much because they were just so different, so it was hard to relate. But uh, the classes that uh, we were learning in the morning in New York and then touring the city afterwards were just so fascinating and eye-opening and um, learned from some amazing rabbis like Rabbi Rietti. He was definitely one of the uh, most impactful rabbis that I learned from on that New York trip. And uh, uh, long story short, when my son, uh, who at the time was two years old, was in preschool here in New York, they actually brought Rabbi Rietti to speak uh, at their uh, benefit, at their tzedakah benefit. And I actually ended up sponsoring him. So that was really all it was just a full wow. circle it's Like a
0: full circle story. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, totally.
1: And I said to Rabbi Rieti, I think y'all appreciate this. I said, Rabbi Rietti, you know, when you were trying to, you know, macabre me and becoming religious, you never told me how expensive it is. <laughs> <laughs> that's the part they
0: don't say. <laughs>
1: that's the part they leave out. because very, very, you know, a, a side note. Um, <laughs> but I said to him, listen, but it's really priceless it really is because all that we spend on keeping our kids religious and keeping our kids you know proud of their judaism proud of their Yiddishkeit, it is truly priceless and uh you know at times it gets to be very very daunting i mean i'm here in the city and paying issue with tuition and all the other things and you know uh, you know everything what can you say like it's just a lot but at the end of the day. you have to trust that Hashem, you know, rules the world. And there is a reason why this has motivated you to, you know, to invest, truly invest in your children, to truly invest in your family. So coming from my public school experience, uh, looking at myself and then looking at my brother, uh, we both went to public school our whole life, high school, college, public school, and we both took very different paths. And my brother actually, um, he ended up marrying a Catholic girl and baptized both of his children. And so, you know, he has absolutely nothing to do with Yiddishkeit whatsoever. And, uh, to me, it was really sad because I thought to myself, wow, like had he had a group at his university to help bring him closer to Yiddishkeit, maybe he would have married a Jewish girl. I have no idea, you know? So that's my brother. But then looking at my cousin's, so my cousins also married non-Jews. Like I'm literally the only person in my immediate, like immediately like, grandparents, you know, grand, whatever kids family that married
0: Jewish and has wow. Jewish kids who actually identify as Jews. So, it's so amazing. Cause you never know like, who's going to be that influence in your life, you know, to really change the trajectory. And, um, I'm sure the people working on the college campuses and those organizations, that's what their, their goal is, but to see like how it really played out so impactfully for you is really incredible.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of wild and it, you know, it's, it makes me sort of emotional because I think to myself, wow, what if I, what if I had never said yes, you know, what if I had never said yes to learning in New York city with the jam group from UCLA? What if I had never said yes to going to Israel? What if that wasn't like on my radar? Cause I just wanted to stay in LA and just audition for Hollywood jobs. Right. You know what it, it Hollywood is so, um, anti-religion. Let me just be honest, like no matter what faith you are, it's like oil and water. It does not mix. Um, and so it's really tough. So people ask me all the time, why would you want to be religious? Like of all things, why would you want to give that up? And for me personally, I was able to sort of separate it in a way where, you know, in my personal life, I kept Shabbat, I keep kosher. I dress a certain way, very but yet like in my dance world, I have to be what the dancers are, right? Because that's the expectation. That's that's how you work, it's, how it's your Parnessa, right? So, you know, people would ask me all the time, how are you a Rockette? And you know, you're from Rockette, what is that? Does that even exist?
0: So, so one second, you know, just were you actually from when you were dancing as a Rockette too? Okay, yeah, that's so really cool. I, so that's the question. Then how did you blend the two together?
1: Yeah, it was, uh, it was hard. Um, I'm not gonna lie. It just was really hard. Again, I kept things very separate. So like, in my personal world, I, again, did all those things for me. And then for, you know, my professional world, I had to do whatever the director wanted me to do, because that's part of show business, right? If the director says, you're up at 3am, and you're at the theater at 4am, that's what you're doing, no matter what day it is. So I have a crazy wild story. Yes, I, I was slowly becoming from, as I was dancing for Disney and as I became a Rockette my first year, um, I toured around with the Rockettes and I would always um, reach out to different from communities wherever I was performing. So I was in Atlanta and I was in Cleveland and Detroit and Indianapolis, so just a few of the cities that I was in across the country. And I would say like, who wants the Rockette for Shabbat, you know? anyone that's
0: fantastic
1: (laughs) yeah because I was by myself and I was really I was happy to you know um meet more people in the community and just say like here I am and you know it's it was it was a pleasure to meet everyone and it was I was so grateful that people were so open to hosting me so um that was really wonderful and eye-opening
0: um that's also so unique to the firm community because you know imagine any of the other girls that you dance with just like reaching out randomly to like complete strangers and saying like hi can i come stay and, and sleep in your house for the weekend is probably such an unheard of concept outside of the from community
1: oh 100 uh, percent. people they couldn't believe that i was they're like do you know these people i'm like nope i <laughs> don't no, sure don't um but uh you know it was fascinating to hear you know where their families were you know, in their life and and they were fascinated to hear you know where i was and how i came into it and the network is just unbelievable and i think it's such a beautiful thing um how you know yiddish kite you know will infiltrate you know who you are but then also can spill into your profession and then help to bring you back into the community and help you you know integrate more of your knowledge into the community so Quickly, um, I had a, an opportunity to perform with Julia Bloom, who was from Los Angeles. And she said, you know, I'm performing at this circus women's concert at Brooklyn College. Do you want to perform with me? And I was like, yes, oh my gosh, that would be amazing. So I choreographed a little number for the both of us to do together and a little solo for myself. And there happened to be a group of very amateurish from women who were performing, who were dancing. And they came out to me and they were like, oh, how did you learn how to do that? Oh my gosh, you're amazing. And just like beyond like the, the compliments, I just like, couldn't believe that people were like saying all these things to me because in the dance world, it's like, everyone's good. You know what I mean? But in the from world, just not everyone was able to get the training obviously that I had for obvious reasons. Right. And so they just were so hungry for professional training. In the best way, in the right Mm -hmm. way, in a way that they could do it. And so I said, yes, I would love to help you. I'd love to train you. So I gave many workshops in Borough Park, in Flatbush, for these yeshivish women and chasidish women. And it was so eye-opening and so fascinating and so heartwarming to see them just like enjoying all this dance and eating it up and just like soaking it all in because they just never had the opportunity. So I'm so grateful to those women um, who are like my, you know, my kindred spirits in the Hasidic community um, and how they helped me. Rena Ehrman helped me, Javi Freeman helped me, Malki Weingartsen helped me and so many others. And they also, uh, Rena Ehrman also helped me to start my business, Fusion Exercise. She is a, an aerobics instructor in Flatbush. I think she still works in her basement and she's amazing, has incredible energy and is just the most, Their family is just the most amazing family in Flatbush. And she said, you know, Rhonda, you should be a personal trainer. And I said, well, I don't do that. You know, I'm a dancer. And she goes, well, you should, because you need some money. (laughs) I was like, you know what? You're right. Sounds like a good practical woman. (laughs) Always, always. And just felt like, that's what I love about her. I love that all of them. And so, um, she said, well, I have some clients who are doing aerobics with me, but they want personal training. Why don't you like start with a few people? So I started with several of her people and then, you know, word it gets around very quickly <laughs> when you do it very well. And so one of my clients, um, she happened to be on Weight Watchers and she was doing my fusion exercise method twice a week. And this is Mimi Loeb who I adore and Mimi Loeb God bless her, lost 17 pounds from the time we started, I think in February until uh, June came and then everyone had to, of course, migrate to the Catskills, right? So she went to the country and was in her bungalow and everyone said, you look stunning. You look amazing. Oh my God, how did you, how, how did you do that? said, my train? and my train around? Am I train around? I train around so I said, you know, I'd love to come for Shabbat. So I stayed with my beautiful friend, Rena. And of course, Mimi was in her bungalow and she said, this is Branda." And after I met all these women in the bungalow, I came back into um, New York and I had 10 people call me from Brooklyn and they said, I want you to train me. So that's sort of how my business grew in Brooklyn. And then luckily, Baruch Hashem, I was able to um, slowly work to Manhattan and to the Upper East Side and uh, started training some celebrities and professionals and things like that. So um it's it's worked out very well so wow
0: so that is like such an incredible story of how you were really able to blend you know your from lifestyle with your dance lifestyle and I find it so cute that you're so like amazingly thankful to all those women but at the same time I'm sure they feel the same way about you because you've given them an opportunity to like not just learn, but you know, dance is like really an expression. I mean, I'm telling you, you know, that way better than I do, but it's just a way that they didn't have access to express themselves until you showed up in their lives, you know? So for, from what you're describing, it sounds like it was such a, like, you know, breath of fresh air for them to be able to participate in what you were offering as well. So it's like really both ways. Right. Absolutely.
1: It was definitely a win-win situation. And um, and they basically helped bring me here to New York because I knew that I was going to have, you know, a lovely little safety net. You know, uh, Rena, she was amazing. She housed me in her home, in her basement for like over a month, which I mean, who does that? <laughs> because I was auditioning for professional jobs for Broadway and other jobs with the Rockettes but I was still living in Los Angeles. I was married. I was in Los Angeles. My husband was in law school and I just didn't have didn't have anyone to stay with. I literally had nobody. So I'm so grateful to all those women for just being so open and willing to, you know, uh, put me up in the hospitality and just the meals and everything. And it's just, it was just uh, really life-changing for
0: me. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And again, so unique to the from community, because like that's so unheard of elsewhere. Um, I wanted to ask you, because I'm always curious about this. You mentioned, you know, all the training that you went through and it was really like a whole life of sounds like you were really, really focused on this and training so, so hard. Um, This has been my question whenever I see people who are like professional dancers, singers, you know, like super talented people did you know from when you were a kid that this is something you always wanted to do? Is it a natural talent for you that you were born with and your parents were like, oh my God, this kid can dance? Or was it something that you had to take and like really hone, you know, to get there? Or was it something that really came natural to you in a lot of ways? That's a great
1: question. Um, I think that I am definitely a trained dancer. So yes, there are some of those kids. I'm sure you've seen them, you know, maybe on, you know, internet or whatever, um, that are just super flexible and super, you know, talented or energetic and do can do all sorts of crazy things with their bodies. That really wasn't me. I had to learn in classes how to dance properly with, with correct technique. And, um, I I think the one thing that I always had was just, I loved just being on stage. I just had this big smile and just gave it my all. And I didn't care if I messed up. I just would keep going. Right. And so, you know, I guess it was, um, it was always a process. I think everything is a process where there are times that I really tried and I tried so hard and I failed, but I didn't necessarily let it get me down. I just said, okay, well, I just know I have to work harder next time. So that grit, I think, has been something that has definitely carried me through uh, a lot of things. But um, in general, for the dance career, um, you know, it is very, very competitive. Uh, There are very few jobs and there are so many people who want to do it. And yes, you do have to be the best of the best. But how do you get there, right? Well, it's always seeking out the best of the best teachers and the best of the best classes and training with the best of the best people. And so that was something that I took on myself. Like I I would drive myself from Irvine where I was growing up in Orange County to LA. It was an hour without traffic, we always say. Um, But, you know, sometimes it could be two hours and I would sit on the freeway to get to the best classes in Los Angeles because I knew I had to push myself um, if I wanted to be the best. Now, did I know I wanted to be a professional dancer? No, I mean, honestly, when I was even a junior or a senior in high school, I didn't even think I was that good because when I would go to some of these competitions, like when I was younger, these other dancers, they would dance circles around me. They would beat the pants off of me. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, how am I even going to stand out with all of these kids who are so good? And I'm like, just good. Like, but these girls, they were outstanding. I mean, you couldn't take your eyes off of them because they were so good, but I think being uh, one of those people who was able to fail, but come around from it and learn from it. That was such an invaluable lesson for me because I think some of those other kids who dance circles around me and won all the awards when they started failing, not really feeling, but just like not booking all the jobs that they auditioned for. I think that they really got down on themselves. Like, well, I'm really no good. Well, that, that those awards, they didn't mean anything. You know, they didn't have the grit to persevere and to say, no, I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep auditioning. I'm going to keep changing in a way that I need to so that I can work and, and be what the director needs me to be. So that I think was really invaluable, the, the failure. Um, I learned so much from it. And even with, with Judaism, like starting into to Yiddishkeit and Frumkeit, <laughs> man, it was so hard for me that the change in lifestyle, it was like basically learning how to play a new instrument you know, it's awkward at first and it's hard and it doesn't feel good. And it, you know, you play a new instrument. It doesn't sound good. (laughs) Right. So like, that's Mm -hmm. all what from kite was to me when I first started in. And I thought to myself, how am I ever going to learn how to do this? But I always say, it's like a dance, right? You take three steps forward and then, whoa, two steps back. And then three more steps forward, and whoa, two more steps back because slowly, but surely you make progress within those steps, and um and that's how i got to where i am today and now like i one lesson i learned from my kala teacher simi yellen who is amazing she's in los angeles she always said to me you know remember that your judaism your your yiddish kite should be like a feather in a suitcase so when you lift that suitcase it's easy and it's not heavy baggage, right? Don't ever think of your Yiddish kite as this humongous suitcase filled to the brim with shoes and clothes and gadgets and whatever that is so heavy and that you have to schlep with you everywhere. All oh, this suitcase, right? Because your kids see that, right? And so when you think of your Yiddish kite as just an easy, it's just, it's a big bag, but it's just light as a feather. It's easy. And it it isn't a burden. And so that's how I always try to think of my Yiddish kite, even with my kids, even when it does get tough, even when it, it is a three-day Yen and everyone's going, when is Why over? When, you, when can I watch my iPad or whatever? You know, okay, let's figure out something else to do. Let's learn something. Let's, you know, play something else. Let's, you know, have another nosh or whatever <laughs> to, to remind yourself of like why this is so special and why we're not like constantly doing what, you know, every other guy is doing in the world, just like being addicted to their screen. Right. We are, we are doing something that is even more deep and more special and more soul, soul filling, soul fulfilling. So, yeah.
0: Wow. So I think, you know, like two things that you said really stand out to me, the, the grit that you had to like keep training and training and training. And even though it didn't come as naturally to you (laughs) as some of the other kids, like The work that you put in, you know, you're reaping the benefits of that now. And I think that can like, so, and the other thing was that you weren't afraid to fail and you just kept pushing yourself over and over. I think that can be applied to like so many different areas in life. Like you see kids who like, you know, in school, like in academics, some kids just like soar through and then they expect that the rest of their life is going to be as easy. But when things start to, you know, not go as well and they face rejection, then, it's really, really tough on them, as opposed to the kid that had to like really, really struggle to get that B or get that A, then that kid is so much better prepared for life, even though they had to work stronger. So it's like, it's such an interesting parallel to like so many different things in life, but you could have easily been like, what am I doing? I'm not born with the same natural talent as some of these other kids, I might as well just give up. But I think from what you're telling me, like in the end that wound up working in your favor, so much more, you know? hundred um, percent.
1: It's fascinating. Like, I, I even think to myself, like, wow, where is that girl today, you know, who <laughs> won all the scholarships and won all the awards and won all the trophies? Like, where is she today? Oh, yeah, she's a hairdresser. Okay, great. Good for you. That's totally respectable profession, totally wonderful. But, like, it's, it's so fascinating that she maybe didn't have, I don't know, maybe the same passion as I did uh, in dance or the same drive um of sort to just keep going to keep going at it um and so like for some of my students who are not quote unquote that naturally gifted i tell them like if this is something you really want you will practice every day at it you will put a little bit of time and effort into it every single day if you really want it if you don't really want it it'll be an expensive hobby okay fine you know but just let your parents know Okay, this is my expensive hobby, but there are honestly some of my students that come to me, I turn them away, because I say to them, listen, you know, uh, you have a desk job, totally respectable, so happy that you're doing marketing, I'm so happy that you're doing, you know, this, that, or the other thing, that's fantastic. You don't need to do it here in New York. You don't need to spend all this money on your training because you're not taking it seriously. You're not putting in the time. You are not, um, your body is not looking the way it needs to go, needs to be. And I'm honest with people. I feel like, you know, as a parent, I I spend obviously a lot on my kids and I would want a mentor or someone to be honest with me about where my kid, you know, where their talents lie and where their, their real desires lie. If they're not putting in the effort i would hope that a coach would say to me listen your your kid isn't practicing enough and i would say yes you're right they are not practicing enough and then i would have to get on them a little bit you know but but just to be honest with yourself if it's not a good fit totally respect that there's thank god a million things that you can do in your life um but it doesn't always have to be this like wild dream if that makes sense there's tons of, you know, sorry, tons of opportunities for you to do other things and pursue other dreams. Right. Which is totally great. So um, yes. So thank you for that.
0: Sure. And it sounds like you're the perfect role model to model that, that grit, that passion, you know, that struggle, that not giving up, like, you know, cause I'm sure in with the people that you train, you encounter all types, right. And it's that kid who needs that extra push that, it's not like, well, you know, this comes naturally to me, so I can't relate to you, but just the opposite. Like I was there, I worked so hard, you know, I, I can show you how to do that too, which is like, so awesome.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like I, I've had probably the best track record for um, dance coaches or dance instructors who've um, trained women to become Rockettes. So I've had 46 of my students have become Rockettes. Wow.
0: And I think that's, probably a record (laughs) so thank god so you're like are you known in the business as the rockette trainer like do people come to you if that's their goal
1: yeah yeah pretty much like I had a gal um early during quarantine um for covid she just googled I want to be a rockette (laughs) And (laughs) and my article from dance magazine online came up so that
0: was pretty fun and she reached out to me and I
1: I've been training her ever since so
0: yeah Wow, what are some of the other roles that you train women for? Um, I've trained people for Broadway, for Disney shows, uh,
1: Beauty and the Beast, if you have seen that show um, at Magic Kingdom, I believe it was. Um, that, uh, that was another really big um, like equity show. Um, so that's one, uh, two, uh, Oh, NBA teams like the Nick City Dancers here in New York. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets dancers, the um, NFL, the Jets flight crew, which is the cheerleaders for the Jets. I actually just had a student this year um, become a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader, a DCC. Her name is Laura Rose and she was one of my students and she became a rockhead, and then um, was able to join the DCC this year. Um, I've had people do lots of cruise ships, um, dance for Beyonce, dance for Cirque du Soleil, Um, yeah. Uh, kind of everything,
0: <laughs> a little bit of everything. Wow. So. that's like that's an amazing resume. So do you, do you just train the individuals or do you like choreograph at all? like what what does the training involve from your end?
1: Yeah, so I do um, dance coaching. So basically I help dancers to learn technique through repertoire. And then um, I also do resume writing and editing. Um, I help with headshots, choosing headshots, editing headshots. Um, everything from soup to nuts uh, for the dancer, audition outfits, what shoes to buy, um, lots of things there. I also do choreography. Um, Sometimes for some of these auditions, uh, a solo is required. So oftentimes I will choreograph solos for my students so that when they get to that point in the audition, they're ready to go. Um, that's you know for all of my professional dancers, but I actually am choreographing out for some from women. So for Deborah Schwartz, if you got to see the Hanukkah Spectacular, that was online and actually it's, it's back online. She decided to put it back up. So I choreographed that entire production, um, which we shot in early December, uh, right before Hanukkah. And then I also choreographed a brand new music video with Bracha Jaffe, who is from your neck of the woods. And so um, we, we did something for uh, Chesed 24-7. And so that's going to be coming out soon and we're going to do a big launch for that uh, very soon. So that was really exciting. And I work with them from time to time. I query off Schwartz's uh, program. She did some um, vocal uh, dance performance for a Pesach program. So she's used that show several times, which is really exciting. Um, And yeah, also all sorts of other things, uh, competition, solos, um, other videos, other things. Yeah. Online. So,
0: yeah. That's awesome. I love that you're bringing dance to the from community. I think like now there's so much more of a platform for women to be able to express themselves from women, you know, within the from community who, like you mentioned, those singers um, previously there wasn't that much of a platform other than just live concert, which could be like hard for people to get to. But now with everything available online, they can reach a much bigger audience. And there's so much more opportunity because, you know, like for people like singers, dancers who only want to perform for women, I've always felt like almost sad, like it's so limited for them. And many of them are so, so talented. So it's awesome that you're giving them the opportunity to be able to do that.
1: Yeah, I'm very grateful to be able to, to add to the FROM community and share my talents with everyone. So that's it's been really great. Um, I also am the head choreographer for Camp Ma'or for NCSY Camp Ma'or. So if you have um, a daughter who is interested in acting, singing, and dancing and would like to learn more uh, for summer camp in a FROM environment, um, it's for girls, I believe, fourth grade through 10th grade. And um, it's, a, it's a camp in the Poconos, uh, where all the Jewish camps are. So um, yeah, reach out to NCSY Camp Ma'or. And I've taught there now for eight years. And this past summer, because of COVID and quarantine, we were actually on Zoom. So we did a virtual camp. We were the only NCSY camp that actually went. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep. Wow. That's amazing. Um, I, yeah. like I said, just so I'm so happy that more and more girls and women from community are, are able to have this opportunity and that people like you are bringing it to them. It's fantastic. So, you know, on that note, I have a question for you. I'm sure you've been asked this before. Um, people I'm sure have asked you, you're from woman, you exist in the world of dance. You train these professional dancers. Um, how do you reconcile the two when in the, from community, a lot of times the message is that women need to be, you know, more sneers behind the closed doors, don't go out there and perform in front of people. Obviously this is your PRNOS and what you do, right? How do you blend the two together? Well,
1: um, I just try to use it in the best environment possible. So um, I, I basically say, okay, well, these are, I know my boundaries, I know my parameters. And as long as I'm within those parameters, I just go for it. And um, I, I feel like it's, it's really worked out very well. Um, I actually was uh, the head of dance and, and physical education at um, Manhattan High School uh, here in the city a few years ago. And uh, I taught those high school girls a bunch of different styles of dance, of course, to sneeze music and obviously wearing skirts and all the things and um, Sineas moves, and they had an absolute blast. They said I was like the best instructor they'd ever had. So that was really an awesome opportunity for them as well, just to expand their horizons in a proper environment. Um, but I think you know, the, I think that in general, the firm community is just opening up more to it. I feel like now that there are more people that are saying, hey, I wanna do this. Why can't we do this? Yes, we should do this that those people are finding each other (laughs) in the best way and are just doing it because now we know where we can, where we can't, if you will. And I think um, there's a lot of potential there for everyone, you know, for everyone who is female and in acting and in singing, obviously vocals and now in dancing um, to make it happen. And especially with these online, these virtual opportunities, I think that it's even better because you could do it in your house with your door shut. Who cares? Right. You know, uh, guys stay out. <laughs> so you don't even have to find an actual like space to make it happen. You're at home and it's okay. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful for technology and I'm grateful for all those brave women in the from community who are saying, yes, let's just make this happen. Let's do this.
0: Absolutely. And the fact that, um, you know, you're, you're making this uh, environment for women to be able to express themselves is so great. You know, like my daughter, she's young. And she said to me, like, I, I want to be a singer, but my friend said that I'll only be able to sing in front of women. So I don't know if I want to do that. And quickly went on YouTube, you know, looked up some from Jewish singers, like Bracha Jaffe, you mentioned, she made that cute little video during COVID. And my daughter was like so excited to see that. And I was like, She's a singer and she can perform. And so can you, if you want to, you know, and the fact that we now have those role models for our daughters, like these women are really pioneers, you know, Um, but I'm so grateful to them and to people like you who are showing like our younger kids that no, this is something that you can do if you want to, you know, but they really had to shatter the glass ceilings to be able to do that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I don't think that um, we should limit our girls Um, really in any way, because as long as we have the means to do it and we have the boundaries, we know what they are. Why not? Right. It's so funny. My, my daughter also, like um, she wants to be in Yeshiva Boys Choir. (laughs) (laughs) And so she is singing all their songs and playing all their videos. And she's like, mommy, I want to be in that. I'm like well there's a little problem but um but that's okay because you know what at the right time you're gonna go to camp Or and you're gonna sing with all the girls and you're gonna perform with all the girls and it's gonna be awesome and she's like oh i gosh, i can't wait to go to camp like she's literally counting down the days so um you know i think that you know the more support that we have for each other i think that the more likely this will happen and it will continue and it will get bigger and stronger in the absolute best way possible for everyone to enjoy and and for women to say, like, we don't have to leave Yiddishkeit in order to be, you know, in order to do what we like to do, in order to express ourselves, in order to be who we want to be, essentially, um, in the firm world, it's totally
0: cool. Right. And there's a framework with which to do it. And I love that, you know, the fact that your background allowed you to make it to this level, you know, opened so many doors for other women who you know, coming from different backgrounds or didn't have the opportunities, like you said, for the training that you had, but then you were able to bring that in so seamlessly and help women, you know, to be able to recognize what they can do. So I think that's just fantastic.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's really exciting. You know, if if anything, I just, oh man, I just think Hashem every day that I can get up and make a living with my tap shoes on and with my, you know, dance shoes on and Um, and give to the next generation, whoever they are, you know, of women, because um, it's, it's such a competitive field that I often feel like so many women, once they hit a certain age, let's say in the dance world, they just leave literally like, okay, that was good. Close that door, close that book, you know, done.
0: And it sort of makes shame after spending like your whole life so involved to just like end it, you know?
1: Yeah, and sometimes, you know, it's um, for various reasons, like let's say that their contract wasn't renewed or they went and had to re-audition for their position and then they didn't get it, you know, things like that. So sometimes there's just like a bitter taste in people's mouths um, from show business because it just is, it's just so hard. Um, and, or people just, you know, treating them, mistreating them for different reasons, right? I, I mean, I've, I've had this in all environments. Um, You know, people who are, you know, the people in power, let's just say, who just, you know, don't respect them for whatever reason. And, um, and that can be hard. It can be hard to sort of like say, okay, again, like use that grit. I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm just going to like push that down, push those feelings down (laughs) and embrace all the joy that this art form actually brings me. And also all the joy that it brings the next dancer, the next young professional, the next, you know, hopeful who want, who has these dreams that you had when you were younger to then be able to pursue that and to live it and to say, oh my gosh, I am living my best life. It is hard as heck, but you know what? I, I'm doing it and I'm loving every minute of it and,
0: and I can die happy. (laughs) That's it. And you know, you, you give in like so much food for thought about what actually goes into making a dancer. Cause like you go to performance, you go to Disney, you go to like, you know, a Broadway show, obviously, you know, that there's so much training that goes into it, but they make it look so easy and like, they're having so much fun. And like, this is the time of their lives. And I'm sure there is an element to that, but like you leave just thinking like, oh my gosh, these people are so amazing. And you don't think about like, how they've spent their entire lives to get to this stage you know and like hearing that from you it just really makes it so much more real like you know to to know all that.
1: Oh yes yeah I mean all of it is really it is a show right it is a performance and for some people, like it is their 100th performance. For some people, it's their 1,000th performance. For some people, it's their 20,000th performance. And they have to make it as fresh as possible every single time because...
0: It's a new audience who's never seen that person perform. They've I never seen always it, think of that. Whenever I go to Broadway shows, I always think about like this. This show happens seven times a week. How do they infuse it with the same energy every single time? How do you do that? Like you dance for the cats. <laughs> like, how do you keep yes. every show as fresh and as fun?
1: Oh yes, it is. Um, well, it's your job, so you know. I always say in the best way, it's it is your job. So, <laughs> you better do it like it is your last time being on that stage. Um, and you know, also with it being your job, like there's always a director or an assistant or a dance captain or some. There's always someone who is above you who is watching right? So they're always taking notes and they're always, you know, taking note if someone is not doing um, their best performance or, you know, is doing a great performance or, you know, all the things in between. And so um, all of that, you know, carries over um, into, God willing, like your next season or your next contract or your next year, um, or even just your next little gig. Uh, There have been times with the Rockettes that um, they have a special performance coming up and the director only gets to pick of eighty raquettes, she only gets to pick sixteen, and so you want to be one of those top sixteen people to dance for, let's say, the president of the United States, wow. <laughs> or something of that effect, right? Which mm-hmm. I have, I have danced for the president, and um, and or be you know in a big commercial or be in a big movie, um, that you get residual checks from. I mean, you work one day and you make twenty thousand dollars from one day of work, which doesn't you know doesn't come that often. But again, you want to be the top of the top. So that's also motivating you in some ways in your performances to always just give 110% every single time. Um, But again, like I tell all my dancers, like, if you don't like being sore and like Charlie Horse every single day, this is the wrong profession for you.
0: (laughs) I can't imagine. (laughs) I like to sit on my couch. (laughs) Right. I mean, it's and watch people like you.
1: yeah, no, no, we're truly athletes. And so there are times where people will walk into my classes and they're just like, you know, dragging their bodies. Oh my gosh. I'm so sore from yesterday. I'm so sore from Tuesday from you know, a couple of days ago. And I said, guess what? <laughs> if you don't like being sore, you're in the wrong profession. So um, yeah. And it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's embracing that it's embracing that, um, the pain in the best way, right? Joy and pain, sunshine and rain. It's, you know, that whole thing. Um, and you take the good with the bad and you know that, okay, well, if I, if I'm feeling sore, then obviously I did something and I did something hopefully in the best way. It's a good sore. It's a good pain rather than like, Oh, I hurt myself. Like you obviously, God forbid, you don't want to hurt yourself. Um, and that's something I really, I pride myself on as a coach that like, I, I err on the side of caution with all of my students. Like, I am not here to injure you. Um, there are some coaches that take things too far, but, um, I try not to do that. So, you know, um, it's, it's enjoying the process and, and for some people it takes years. It literally takes years and years and years of failure after failure after failure. Um, but in some ways, hopefully that will lead them to their next success, Um, if they just keep pushing and, you know, keep pursuing and, um, and doing everything that they possibly can in, in the process. So,
0: wow, you're like, super inspiring. I love your attitude. And I just find it like the way that you blend this incredible world that you come from with what you're doing now, you know, as a from woman and have like, put it all together so seamlessly and also, you know, obviously bringing all this stuff into the from world, not just like, Oh, by the way, I used to be a dancer. Now I'm a from lady, but like, no, you're actually like doing it all together and, you know, bringing so much joy into the from world. I have so much admiration and respect for your grit and, you know, your toughness, but at the same time, like your joy and energy, it's amazing. I'm so, so happy. I'm grateful that you shared your story with me and with our audience.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. It's, it's really a pleasure, but it's one thing I just wanted to share that um, is a little bit disheartening is like what you had said earlier when um, some parents, they sort of discourage their their daughters or their kids from pursuing the arts. So um, it was fascinating to me. I think it was a friend of mine said something like, well, if my, if my child goes to Flatbush High School, they can choose one of four majors to focus on. It's like real estate, tech business and I don't know one other thing I can't remember what the other thing was and I said okay so obviously money is an issue <laughs> <laughs> a career is an issue um but at the same time I'm like well what if what if that child was really like a highly talented artist you know or a highly talented singer or a highly talented musician or a highly talented something a comedian i don't know something that's not like mainstream if you will in the firm community so now they're going to high school and they have to choose what are these four directions like this is all you get because this will lead you to success you know financially so that you can continue to be a firm jew like to me i i that's my only thing that's a little bit like really that's 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 a little bit like tough for me um as an artist um you know, I, part of the reason I think why I pursued being a coach and, and I gave up performing I, I did it for 17 years. I had plenty of performing experience, but part of the reason why, like I had to do that was because I was a Jew because I was from, because I celebrate Shabbat because I celebrate Yom and I wanted to, to control my own schedule and I wanted to be my own boss so I could be a firm Jew. Right. So it's like this sort of weird, I don't know, dichotomy of, well, you have to be successful, but yet at the same time, you have to be religious and you have so many restrictions. And yet, you know, you have to, you know, finance all of this stuff in order to be Jewish. Right. So part of the reason why I became a coach was because it was just a lot more lucrative than being a performer. And it was, yes, it was very hard. People say, like, why did you stop being a rocket? Like, you're still so good. And I said, well, I had 12 years with the company. That was playing. I mean, I didn't even think I was gonna last one year after my first year because it was so hard. But um, but I lasted 12 years because I, I I I loved it so much. But then at some point, you know, I had two two kids. I was 34 years old, and standing next to me was the 18-year-old who just graduated high school. And I'm like, okay, now I'm the grandma, you know, I'm the buggy of the group <laughs> at 34. <And> so, <laughs> 34 and I'm the grandma you know and so I said to myself you know I really have to figure out what else I can do and I actually was coaching while I was a racket so like but I was like I need to pursue this even harder just so that I can just keep up with the lifestyle you know like in the best way of course because I love it I love being religious I love being Jewish but it just was so expensive right and of course being in Manhattan in the city in New York and it's just you know everything it just is but it was the best decision because I my my business literally Baruch Hashem like literally took off because I closed that door because I closed that performing door. But yet, had I not had that performing experience, I would not have been able to soar in the other direction in that very upward trajectory with my business. Because people wouldn't have like trusted me to get them to that level. If that makes sense.
0: Well, of course you have so, this, you have the quote unquote street cred. You know that they're going to come to you now because they know that you're super talented and that you have that experience.
1: Exactly. So, um, so in some ways, like it's fascinating because, it's like, you know, I make more than my husband, but <laughs> but at the same time, you know, okay, yes, I- I'm grateful that I make that money. at the same time, like, you know, if I wanted to still be an artist, if I still wanted to be a performer, it just wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been even possible. I've got three kids now. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so like, I'm great. I'm, I'm grateful that I had all those experiences, but it, in some ways, like seeing some of the way that the yeshivas are like, you know, they're set up that you have to take this, you have, you know, only so many paths you can take in order to maintain Yiddishkeit that like hurt sort of hurts my heart in a little way. Um, So now I know why people move to Israel, obviously, (laughs) because, okay, a free education and everyone's Jewish and yada yadas. And, you know, everything is set up for you. It is definitely a harder life. Not everyone says that it's, you know, in a different way, harder, but, um, but at the same time, being here in America, the experience is just so different. Right. And we all know this and we all struggle with this, I think to some way, you know, one shape or another, so, um, but so that's why I'm hoping that with some of these yeshivas and some of these programs, that they can still integrate some part of the arts because I think it is still so necessary. And it is so, it's so soul-filling for people to hear beautiful Jewish music, to hear beautiful Jewish singers, to see beautiful Jewish dancers on the stage. That is like unbelievably moving. And for us to tell our kids, no, you can't do that because the lifestyle is a little bit hard. It's hard for me. So, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, God willing, please, please Hashem, that we should have all have the koyach and the strength and the grit to say, I want my kid to pursue their passions, obviously in the right way, but I'm going to still support them in that because it is so good for their soul. It is so good for their neshama to grow and to feel joy in their life and to feel joy in other people's lives, not just their own, right? To, to express that. I mean, when you go to a wedding, you go to a simcha, you go to something and you see all the joy there. What is that? That's art. That is art. And so if we don't foster that as parents, that to me is a shanda. it's terrible. We should, if our kids like doing these things, we should definitely invest in it. It does spill over to academics. It does spill over to business, right? It does spill over to all these things. You know, being uh, presenting on a stage, you know, presenting to clients, presenting to customers, that's art, that's like acting, right? You may be having a bad day, but if you don't know how to present to someone who's new, who's coming into your business, who's coming into your world, And to to share with them what it is that you do so they can invest, so that they can be part of your life. That's, you know, to me, that's art. You know, also in terms of exercise, right? So I think that a lot of times, especially for females, you know, in the community, we downplay the body so much that exercise and fitness and being healthy and moving
0: um, is just not as, it's not as valued, I guess. It's not a focus. I think like a lot of, yeah. from women are focusing on so many other things that they have to put that, you know, last for a lot of people. Like
1: Right. All of the other things. Yeah. Right. And, but I've had, I've trained women who've had 10, 11, 12, 14 children, you know, and they still made time for their health and for their fitness and to feel good and, you know, put on that skirt and feel great. And um, and it's so it's so amazing to see how they view life when their body on the inside, you know, is healthy and their mind is healthy because they have this physical outlet like dance or fitness or movement or exercise that just gives them that extra bit of energy. And it's like that serotonin rush in the brain. Where you can now, you feel like you can just accomplish anything and it actually energizes you. So that's just one thing I just wanted to leave everyone with is that, you know, if you feel like, oh my gosh, I will never, ever be in shape. You have to take it just one small day at a time. One, like, like I took my from kite, I took it two, three steps forward, two steps back, you know, baby steps to get there. And yes, it was so hard for me. And yes, fitness can be so hard. But if you find something that you enjoy, right, if you enjoy dancing or you enjoy, let's say, um, like walking outside when it's not snowing (laughs) like today, or you enjoy, um, you know, anything, uh, Zumba or Jumba. Or if you enjoy something that's going to inspire you and maybe you can even do it with, with your daughters or with a friend or with a cousin or a niece or someone that even is even more exciting.
0: So I just wanted to leave you all with that
1: as well. Find something that inspires you to
0: move so you feel better from the inside out. For sure. Yeah, completely. And that, not to mention like all the lessons you, you know, you've alluded to along the way that have sort of shaped you into who you are, you know, the toughness that you've built up and like you said, the ability to now have your own business, you know, being able to learn about failure and how to succeed. And, you know, like you said, it spills over to so many different areas. And it's interesting because lately, like with so many of the guests I've had on, we've had we've been talking about, you know, different sort of changes that need to happen in our education system, in our yeshivas and stuff, because we are so Uh, buttonhole, like we're buttonholing our kids in a certain direction in many different areas. And this is one area that hadn't come up yet, but it fits so well into what we were saying. Like we tend to put our kids in the yeshiva system on like a very narrow trajectory. And then whenever life goes a little different or they start to think out of the box, they feel like failures, you know, but what you're saying is so true and really goes along with that. Like we need to open it up more to our kids. And I feel like you're doing that. You know, you're, you're actively doing that by being involved in training from women in dance, right? These women are now going to give that over to their kids. And it hopefully along the way, it will translate into our schools. But, you know, you're starting the process, which is fantastic.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> one step at a time, as we always say, but yes. But I I just want to give, you know, everyone the bracha who is listening, all the women who are listening, The bracha that if you have an art, if you have a gift, if you have something to give to students, even if you don't think you're that good at it, you should just try and see where it goes, because you might inspire even one other young girl or young woman to pursue that and you know maybe they will be able to go to school in the right way to pursue it and it will open up their life and it will it will give them the confidence to pursue anything that they want to. And it will give them, like we were talking, the grit to to survive things that are hard and, and tests and life tests um, that you don't think that you can overcome, but if you just keep trying, right? And that's really what the arts does for everyone, is it gives them those opportunities to build their confidence, to build their their joy, and to share it with others.
0: Wow, really beautifully said. I love that bracha that you've given. And I think like you're such an inspiration for everything that you're saying. Like you live it, you breathe it. And I'm so like overjoyed and honored that you agreed to come share your story, your story, which is still evolving, right? It's not like, even though you have said, like you said, you've closed the door on performance, but you're still using your talents in such a unique and positive way. And I think that's so fantastic. So thank you so, so much. Yeah. Uh, thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining me and sharing your story. And um, I can't wait to see what else you do.